This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. And with us today for the entire pod, we got Mike Renner, a pro <laughs> football focus. At least, at least that's the plan, uh, Mike. If not, we're just going to hold you hostage uh, for as long as we can. Yeah, I'm back on Eastern time now, so I showed up, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we had planned to have Mike uh, around Senior Bowl, and then and then we had a time zone snafu, but we're happy to have Mike uh, now in Combine Week. Pretty good time to have you as well, uh, and it, it, we were just funny. Like, Mike, it's a miracle this is the first time we are talking, uh, because we, we just apparently have tons of mutual friends. I know two of Mike's former roommates, just weird, weird connections, man. Yeah. It really is. I, the, and actually, one of my former roommates is the guy who like put me in touch with you in the first place. Gary, right. my, my college roommate. So yeah, as well. is now my wife's best friend's boyfriend. So, you know, such is life. Shout out oh, to well. G, uh, but glad to have you. And then you guys, you guys talked down in Mobile, right? Yeah, he did an interview with us uh, through the commanders. And obviously just was really cool with his time. And we talked a little bit about some of the one on ones and stuff, which was great. So, you know, a man of the picking Logan's Mike brain. Yeah, no, I don't know about all that. But. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now that we've gotten all the, the fun small talk out of the way, everyone's everyone's acquainted with how we're all acquainted. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, and, and we'll go we'll go pretty deep, obviously, but starting kind of surface level, it seems like there are a couple of key storylines emerging as we go into the combine quarterback always starts to come into play. Anthony Richardson stock is, is kind of booming right now. Um, there's a lot of conversation around Bryce young and, and is he clear QB one, the size thing is starting to come up. Um, so those are kind of the big quarterback ones, but then you've got all these other, you know, wheelings and dealings of the bears. Number one, overall pick as you get to Indy this week, Mike, what are the kind of top, let's say three things that you're trying to chase down and, and solidify coming out of the week? Yeah, I think one's Bryce Young's height. You know, what is, is he six foot? Is the hair giving him a couple inches there? Is he actually five ten? What is it? Um, I think that's one. And just was he kind of coming at weight wise? Because I think that's probably the bigger thing than the height to me is that he's small framed, you know, he's 194 listed at Alabama. There's not a lot of sub 200 pound quarterbacks in the NFL. In fact, I looked it up the last one to play a down, a snap in the NFL, is Seneca Wallace, which obviously Seneca Wallace was not no you know, top prospect or anything, but like it's a rarity. That was like eight years ago. It's a rarity to see guys at that size of the quarterback position. So just what's he going to come in at? Uh, I think after that, the, always the biggest storyline I look for at the combine is defensive line, um, because that's that's the position that truly it matters in my opinion. Like. A lot of positions around the NFL or just around the football field, I think not to say combine testing is overrated, but like you should be able to see on a football field. Whereas defensive line, a lot of times that explosiveness, that change of direction ability 
can be a little more difficult to discern. And we've seen basically the testing at those positions, whether it's defensive tackle, edge, translate more so, the high-end athletes translate more to a football field uh, than anyone else, just purely via combine testing. So I think that's two. Uh, and then if I had to give you a three, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I, I think it's some of these speed wide receivers. Um, it, there's, a, there's a number of them in this draft class, whether it's Jalen Hyatt, who's rumored to be going in the first round right now, whether it's Tank Dell, um, the Houston wide receiver, whether it's um, Tyler Scott, the Cincinnati wide receiver, like how fast are these guys? Are, are they truly, you know, low 4-3, high 4-2 guys? Or are they 4-4 four, four guys who maybe that speed's not necessarily going to have the same impact it did in college on an NFL field? So I'm going to get a quick follow-up. With the Bryce Young height weight thing, like does it – does it really matter? You know, because when you watch him, like he is, he's kind of, uh, I don't want to say he's one of one, but he's very unique in terms of skill set. And like the film is something that is very high level. The instincts are high level. The layering of the football is high level. So does that matter, especially with all the protections that are afforded the quarterback now? It's It matters to teams. It right. doesn't matter to me. Like right. on a football field, I'm not too worried. Obviously, I do think there is a bigger injury risk. The heart, you know, at the NFL level, the smaller you are. Now, guys like him avoid it by not taking hits. Like his game, how he's going to play is not going to look like Josh Allen. You know, he's not going to be out there hurtling guys in space. Like he's going to slide. He's going to go down. He's going to protect himself. So from that point, like he's probably going to be subjected to less. But it's still such an outlier that uh, I do think NFL teams are going to take that into consideration. And if they have close grades on him versus a Will Levis versus CJ Stroud. I think you tip the scales towards the guys that look like the other guys in the NFL mm -hmm. that are doing it at a high level. So uh, for me, it doesn't matter, but I do know for NFL teams that will be a sticking point. That said, I've, I've heard you say that for you, Young is like a tier above everyone else in the quarterback ranks. What separates him, even if he doesn't have the, the traditional physical tools in terms of size? It's the outfield performance. I mean, he's a baller. It, that's it's like he he does pretty much everything you could want at the quarterback position right now. Like there, there's not like weaknesses to his game besides the height weight, which at that point it's like, is it really that important at the NFL level? And, and I do think there are things that you're just not going to be able to do with him that maybe you can do with a Will Levis. Um, like you're, you're not going to want to get him too much involved in the run game, even if he is mobile and can run. You're not going to want to run too much quick game with a quarterback who's Five ten, five eleven, six foot, like in that range, they're just going to get a lot of passes batted down. Uh, so he has to take deeper drops. He does that at Alabama. He sits deeper in the pocket. But as Logan just said, he's a ball. Like there's there's not a lot of weaknesses to his game, no. and like the creative aspect, the aspect that's taking over the NFL in terms of yeah, you can make plays inside structure, but then you know the traditional NFL quarterbacks, why they weren't putting up numbers the way we see today is because that was it. Once that once the first, second read, third read wasn't there, check down. Well, first, second read for Bryce Young's not there. He's outside the pocket, and he's looking down the football field to make a play, and more often doing it than not. So, yeah, to me, Bryce Young, all that said, makes him a tier above everyone else. Yeah, just for, like, those people who haven't watched a ton of him, it's very, like, Mahomesian. Like, you know, and I, every, everyone's going to draw that comparison, but the off schedule, the arm talent, the the view of the field, it's – it's pretty special, but you know, kind of the other end of the spectrum there is Anthony Richardson, right? He's the guy that has every single physical box check, the arm strength, the physical running style, the size, the weight. How do you measure, you know, cause I've been reading a lot about how NFL teams are higher on him than maybe 
the general public. You know, he's got one of the lowest completion percentages of anybody ever, right? Um, <laughs> how do you like weigh that with the tremendous, you know, it's like a lottery ticket, right? It's going to he's got the biggest payout anybody. How do you weigh that if you're an NFL team? Yeah, I mean, I, I love that you said lottery ticket there. I, I've hearkened him to a lottery pick in the NBA. Like, he looks like a lot of the guys in the NBA where it's like, oh, he averaged 12 a game in college and he's a top five pick. Why? Well, it's because the good Lord only made so many guys that are, in Anthony Richards' case, 6'4", 240, that run maybe sub 4'5 at the combine. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be special, whatever it is. It's going to look pretty freaky, whatever his testing comes in. And if he does test, uh, you don't obviously need – a stopwatch to tell you that he's a freak of nature athletically. You can see him backflip on a Saturday and do that. So yeah, the, the, that's why you're buying in is because what it could be. And because there are legitimate reasons, whether it's, you know, one year of starting um, that he could be behind the eight ball, only a junior coming out very young that it's like, Oh man, I get this guy in the building. I, you know, put him in my quarterback development program. I trust our head coach. He's going to turn into Josh Allen. Now easier said than done. Um, there's been a lot of guys over the years who have gotten that billing and never lived up to it, but everyone's chasing the payout. Everyone's chasing the Lombardi. You're not chasing, you know, the Mac Joneses of the world that can get you to average that you got to put this complete roster around them to be good. You're chasing the guy that can bring it to you all on its own. So that's what Richardson brings to the table. That's the skill set. Even if the accuracy is very bad at the moment, there's no real sugarcoating <laughs> it. It's, it's ugly. There's some spikes on tape week in a week out. Well, that's interesting that you compare him to Allen, though, because that's exactly what Josh Allen was. Like, he was a guy, his completion percentage at Wyoming was not very good. Even the first couple of years in the NFL, he really was up and down. He's obviously solidified himself and found the balance, and they created a system in Buffalo that allowed him, like, there was like a permission structure there for him to grow. Um, you know, getting a really good running game, really good defense, all those kinds of things around him, where they were actually able to win when he still was figuring it out. Um, and I just think it's interesting for a team like Washington too. Like they have such a complete roster and I, I, it seems unlikely that they would go that direction. Um, but it is kind of an interesting thought if he's really got that kind of upside, they've been looking for a quarterback like that here forever. Um, you know, I, I do wonder if as we get closer, like that's, you know, teams in that range might get linked. And, and certainly I feel like, like there will inevitably be a report that Washington is linked to Anthony Richardson, whether it is true or not, who knows whether they're actually interested or not, who knows, but it does feel like the kind of thing that inevitably will happen between now and late April. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't disagree with it at all. And I think you're seeing the reason why, you know, you said the NFL teams higher than the general public on a guy like Anthony Richardson is because I think he has a relatively high floor compared yeah. to maybe what you see at Florida. You see what the completion percentage of the passing yards, but it's like, have you, the guys who have come in and been that dynamic as rushers of quarterback position. And you're seeing it with Justin Fields. It's like he raised that bears offense. Now it's a terrible roster and they obviously got the number one overall pick, but they were an average offense purely on the backs of Justin Fields and his rushing ability. Like there's that talent around him, the sort of ecosystem that he was in everyone would say was the worst talent around him in the NFL. So to be average was a massive step up over what they should have been. So everyone's seeing that and saying like, hey, if we really buy into these guys who can really be special runners, they don't have to be great passers. And Justin Fields was an awful passer in fact this last year and still had gave you this you know, bump up in offensive efficiency because of that. So I think that's also what NFL GMs are buying into is that, hey, these guys who you know, would have been considered position switches two decades ago, you know, that considered a tight end in, in Anthony Richardson's case, they can bring us, you know, real 
uh, like a real high floor in the rushing game and what they're able to bring to the table. And so if you had to say like where he's going to go, you know, I just saw Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft. He's going nine to Carolina like that, you know, and then the, the same thing happened last year with Malik Willis. This traits get kind of pushed up mm-hmm. the board a little bit. But if you had to kind of put your crystal ball on before the combine, obviously very early still in the process, like where would you have him going? Yeah, the hype right now is because I think one CBS mock draft put him number one overall and everyone <laughs> lost their mind. He's not going number one overall, but I could see him going as high as, say, looking at the draft or like eight to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I don't see like the Lions pulling the trigger at six. Don't see the Seahawks. Don't see the Ra- Raiders with the Raider as franchise pulling the trigger. But if Atlanta's there at eight with what they do as the run heaviest team in the NFL, obviously we're talking about what a guy like Andy Richardson can do in the running game. That all of a sudden is a guy that might make sense for them, even though they did draft Desmond Ritter last year, but it's not like he showed so much that you're going to buy into him. So that wouldn't surprise me, him going as high as eight. I don't think he falls past like the mid-20s. I think that's probably his range. And I'd really be surprised if he fell past, say, 18 to Detroit if they you know, obviously go somewhere else with pick six and are still in a position to get quarterback like that. I think that's probably his floor in this draft. Interesting. And last thing on on kind of the quarterback situation uh, overall, if we dive into some deeper stuff here, um, if you're the GM of the Bears, if you're Ryan Poles, are you taking young overall, one overall in trading fields, or are you more of the, hey, let's just keep building with fields? He showed a lot last year and probably trade one overall and see what you can get for it. That's the conundrum, right? And I'm of the opinion that any sort of incremental change you can make at the quarterback position is worth more than any other position on the football field. So if you can go from you know Justin Fields to a guy who you think is better than him, and I think Bryce Young is better. I think he's a better prospect, um, pretty wholesale. And I was a fan of Justin Fields coming out and still think, obviously, as I just said, like he can bring a lot of good things to your offense. But Bryce Young's special to me, and I'm not passing on special if I have the number one overall pick, especially when I wasn't tied to that guy in Justin Fields in the first place. I didn't draft him. It's not my job on the line if he doesn't work out. Um, that GM's already gone. So if I'm Ryan Poles, I'm more than willing to take Bryce Young number one overall. Now I can see why you wouldn't want to do that. And, and again, the trades that you can get for the number one overall pick when there's a quarterback there can be massive value adds to your franchise. You can get, you know, a first this year, another first next year, multiple seconds that can really rebuild a roster that needs it. But I do think that I'm of the opinion that Bryce Young's special enough that, you know, he's the kind of guy that can smooth out and make parts of your roster look better purely on his own than what that elite quarterback brings to the table. So I'm drafting Bryce Young. If I'm Bears GM, I would be surprised if Poles, though, is, you know, has the cojones, shall we say, to make that sort of thing. <laughs> Is uh, and then the other thing I want to follow up with you because I've heard this mentioned on some PFF stuff before is is this is the financial element of getting a quarterback a rookie quarterback on a five year deal like I think it's important to acknowledge that value because Fields only has what is it two years left on his contract yeah. and then you got to kind of have to pay him again so love the love that analytics shout out there Logan you're buying it and I love that and it's true like it, it truly is like you're in a window now where like this next year it you're not going to go from the number one overall pick to the Super Bowl, right? That's too far to go in terms of a leap. So you're banking on kind of a one-year window in year four with Justin Fields of that being your Super Bowl window before he all of a sudden gets expensive. The contract you're going to give him starts to escalate if he does say, you know, make the big leap and turn into a franchise quarterback. Um, So there's that aspect of it too. Whereas if you draft Bryce Young, your window all of a sudden is probably three years of open of cheap quarterback play um at that position so 
that that has to factor in. I mean, you're, you'd be lying to yourself. You, you, you'd be, you just should, you know, fans don't want that factor in. They want to just be all about the football team, all about who's the best player. That's what you've met, what, who gives you the best chance to win. But the salary cap is the biggest sort of analytically analytic area where you can get an edge edge. I'm not sure what I'm necessarily trying to say here, but like <laughs> that is the area where everyone's dealing with the same money. You have to figure out ways to use that money better. Mm-hmm. And the quarterback of the rookie deal is the ultimate way to get it better. It is the ultimate cheat code, as we've seen with whether it's Joe <clears throat> Burrow last year, whether it's Jalen Hurts this past season. Like that gives you a massive edge that everyone's looking for. So that's why another factor in the Bryce Young decision. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus is our guest here on Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. All right, when you put together, like obviously you're you're for those that don't know, PFF's main draft guy. Like you're that the draft is is your area. You obviously uh, look at some of the pro stuff. You have to to know teams' needs, all that kind of stuff. But like the draft and watching tape and looking at the analytics, that is that is your deal. So as you start to put together your mock drafts, how much of it for you? Because everyone does these a little bit differently is talking to teams, trying to get intel using that versus you putting yourself in the position of the team's GM or head decision maker and saying, this is what I would do if I was that team moving forward in the draft. I'm flattered that you think I have enough connections to get out the 32 teams <laughs> and get all this intel. But no, it, it's mostly just putting my myself in their shoes, their draft track records, what they need on the roster, and then saying who kind of fits that. Who's the guy that really makes the most sense there? So it, it's me on the outside. Now, sometimes closer to the draft, I do hear things and do have insight. But at this point in time, uh, no one's tipping their hand one way or the other. Yeah, we, none of us have been to Prime 47 in <sighs> India. So we, none Seriously, of us have been exactly, yeah. this week. That's what I'm doing. That's here. where it's all coming, man. Um, so the thing I want to ask you about is like one thing that I find relatively easy in draft evaluation is evaluating position by position. So I'm, if I'm evaluating tackles, you can kind of fall into like a pretty consistent order. The thing that gets tough, and I think fans need to understand this, is evaluating across positions. So how do you, I know I've heard people use the term like buckets or tiers, how do you kind of quantify those and then apply that information to your mock draft? Yeah, you have to have a strong kind of historical foundation, right, of like where guys should be valued. And so you put grades on um, based off of that. You can't just, and like you said, it is kind of easy, it's easier to stack a position and rank it rather than put that position onto a board with every other position in the NFL and say where um, 
should we attack? And I think some of that I take into account, you know, kind of historical uh, hit rates and like where you want to be drafting guys with edge rushers, uh, wide receivers. Like those are positions that the early edge rushers, especially you won't find a lot of elite edge rushers that weren't drafted in the first round. It's just fact of life. That's how the position goes. You won't find a lot of elite wide receivers that weren't top 75 picks. It's a position that you can identify. The NFL is good at identifying those mm. guys, whereas corners can fall a lot more. Tight ends can fall a lot more. There's positions where you can find talent uh, outside of later. So that that's a factor as well. But I do think you just have to have a strong foundation and a strong belief of, you know, what this talent looks like in relation to what talent should look like across, you know, the past five to 10 years. Um, that's, if you don't have that, you're really stuck in terms of evaluation standpoint. And I do think also the sort of positional, um, what I was going back to about just like the positional value and what we talked about with the contracts and how much that impacts has to play a factor as well, that if you draft a tight end at the top five, he's a top 10 paid tight end in the NFL day one. If you draft a defensive end in the top five, he's making half of what a top 10 defensive end makes. So there's that that has to factor in as well. So long story short, it's tough. There is no like, (laughs) I don't have a formula or whatever. PFF hasn't spit one out yet to me to really do that, but it's just, you just have to have that foundation in place. So is it just kind of like your gut? I don't want to say gut because that's an oversimplification, but is it a lot of just kind of like Tyree Wilson compared to Christian Gonzalez and who I think is going to be a better pro long-term or is it, or is there something else going on there? Like that that you're using as a tool? Yeah. You put, you put the grade on in kind of a vacuum, you know, Tyree Wilson, I think I ended up with just with the top 10 grade on just based off his tape. And then I also ended up with top 10 grade on Christian Gonzalez. And then at that point you're like, okay, I have two top 10 grades. Um, (laughs) And then you're kind of just like, which one would I rather have at that point? Then you go head to head. I see. But yeah, you stack up all my grades after I did my evals. And then I went from there and broke ties, just kind of how I felt (laughs) I wanted to break. And I think that's, I think that's an important thing that fans need to understand is that there is, it's not like this, scientific thing like you have things about players that you like and i have things about players that i like and we can lead to like drastic departures on players because it is there's no like there's no there's no like cheat sheet there's no like mathematical formula for this and i think that's so important because you go to the combine or wherever you're going you go to the senior bowl and people will give you very like vastly different opinions on the same guy which is always kind of great like kyle van Oy, kyle van Oy, is that the kid's name from iowa is that his name? Oh, like, no, uh, Lucas Van Ness. Lucas Van Ness. Yeah. Thank you. Kyle like, Van Noy's former Patriot, yeah, right? Former Patriot, yeah. right? And he's playing where? I was like, I've heard of him. But yeah, but what I'm saying is like, you know, I don't really like him, but now he's going to be a top 10 pick. So it's just so yeah. interesting, the subjective nature of this whole process. Yeah. And it's, and the other thing is like on the outside, I'm kind of projecting to every scheme in the NFL, right? I, I, I'm yeah. just like assuming he goes to a spot that is going to take advantage of whatever skill set he has. Whereas if you're with a team and it's like, say, you know, you play ton of off zone and I'm, I got Devin Witherspoon, CB1, he's a press man corner. Uh, you're not going to yeah. def Devin Witherspoon as your top corner. Like it's going to look vastly different depending on what you want to do offensively and defensively. Your board. Where do you think teams miss the most on that kind of stuff? Like, is it just a bad evaluation of skill sets of application to their scheme? Like where, where do teams make mo- the most common mistakes? I think they swing for the fences a little too much. In the I was going to say, my God, yeah. There, there's, there's, there's this belief that a top five pick has to have all pro upside or a top 10 pick has to have this quote unquote mythical 
ability to turn into the best player at their position in the NFL. And then they just pass up layups uh, yeah. more often than not. They, they pass up guys who are just damn good football players who will, you know, maybe aren't going to turn into all pros, maybe aren't going to be that, but can be consistently quality stars on your roster. And that's that's a quick way to kind of tank yourself because you when you draft those guys highly, top 10, 15, you shoehorn them into your roster. You're saying for the next three years, there are starters at minimum. And you force it, and then you don't address that need or you don't address that position in free agency. You aren't willing to replace him. If he's not the best player on your field, you're still starting him, even if the backup's better because he has to get the reps. And then all of a sudden you're three years down the line saying, why didn't this guy turn into, you know, has still hasn't turned into a better player and you're at a crossroads because of tampering your roster. I think that's the biggest thing mistake teams will make is that they chase that instead of just drafting a guy who, you know, can step in and play for you a lot more often than not. They know the guy is not going to suck at the NFL level, which still has value. So uh, I think that's one of the biggest things is that teams chase a little too much and buy into that. This first rounder has to be something special. Whereas it can just be a good starter on your roster because if you do that first, second, third round, get a good guy, a guy who can actually start for stack four years of that, you have one of the best rosters in the NFL. It's crazy. I'm so glad you brought that up because I like, it's so funny when you go through like, even, you know, like I don't get lists. I kind of go off what PFF puts out. There's a whole bunch of other services. You go through those players and you can immediately see when you turn on the film, this guy's a projection guy, right? This guy, the film doesn't necessarily support that. And like I look at what Washington did last year, and it was not an exciting draft. You know, they drafted Jahan Dotson, Dotson in the first round, you know, Fidari Mathis in the second. They got Brian Robson. But what they did do is they just said, these guys are all capable of being starters in the NFL. And instead of kind of this grade, it was more binary. It was like, yes, no. Like, can they contribute? Can they play? And I think it leads, you know, quite frankly, to a more consistent result. Maybe you don't get the high upside of the pick, but yeah, I, I think I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, because the year prior, Jamin Davis was a pure, yes, like that was right. projection to the T. And it's like, yeah. you're kind of paying the price for it the last two years because yeah. because of that. Absolutely. Yeah, he's, yeah. Um, which is interesting too, because going back before Jamin, like, and then crossing back into when Kyle Smith was here running the draft room, like that was their thing in the first round. Um, I mean, even going back to like Sheriff, like it was an upside play because you thought he'd project out to tackle and all those kinds of things. And obviously he turned into an exceptional guard. It's a little rich for the reasons you were talking about earlier, salary cap wise uh, to take a guard when they did. And that's why they don't have him anymore. Uh, but like they took a bunch of dudes who could play, um, you know, and, and it, their biggest upside swing was Chase Young, who uh, obviously injury is uh, playing a role in his career in a major way. But like, you chase wasn't going to bust like in going back to like a comparison, like Jadeveon Clowney, like Jadeveon Clowney never lived up to being the number one overall pick and the hype. And obviously going back to the one play in the, against South Carolina <laughs> that obviously took him to a mythical creature almost, but it's not like he's been a bad NFL player. He's been a good NFL player for a decade. He just hasn't been yes. great. And like when right. that's your floor, that's, that's obviously a pretty good way to build a roster. Yeah, and compare that to, I guess, last year at the top of the draft was probably the biggest example of that. You got Trayvon Walker versus <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. One of the highest floor defensive ends versus one of the highest ceiling, robust defensive yeah. ends. And I think Jaguars year one, I don't think it was close. Aiden was the better player, the more impactful player. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, it's something to track as it goes on, but like the Lions are already happy as hell. The Jaguars <laughs> are still like, what do we got? You know, the Jaguars yeah. are still in that position where they could be – Two years from now, screwed. Not getting any impact from a guy like that. 
Yeah. God, that play he made against the Commanders in Week One, though. He's that he's flashed, but like it's that you know, was freaky. You're like, oh, that's that's why you might turn into a bust because you or, are awesome and got super intriguing, but maybe not actually be good <laughs> at football. His best plays are still in coverage, which is wild. But. It's crazy, yeah. He like, but that, in college though, like, I mean, you watch the film. Like, his best plays in college were like the coverage stuff, right? He's, he's like running with a running back. With this, yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh god, like look at this athlete, like that's incredible. Um, so the thing, I, I, I have ask, had to take that. He should play goal line cornerback on like better <laughs> tight ends because who's going to get off a six five two seventy five guy with like thirty six inch arms and press? Yeah, yeah Logan, would you have wanted to see that? Teach him in the goal line? Press. You I would know. Well, I w- some guys like some of the guys who are really long and lanky, like um, you can get off because they don't have a lot of sh- play strength and they don't move well. But he is like the antithesis of that. He plays good with his length and he moves his feet really well. And so I think that like that makes perfect sense to me because he is like a very <laughs> unique skill set. Like you don't see guys yeah. do that very often. Um, and then kind of like kind of turning toward the commanders here a little bit with our conversation. Um, obviously, they're picking at 16. Um how would you, if you're them, based on the strengths and weaknesses of this draft, kind of allocate your resources? They're picking the first round. I think they're picking at 48. They got mm-hmm. a third round pick in the in the exchange with the sheriff thing. Um, based on the draft strengths, how would you kind of roll through those picks? I think I'm looking tackle round one, just because I think while it's somewhat of a deep tackle class. I think it's going to push up a lot of guys who are more late day two guys into early day two. I think oh. you're going to get like the the Matthew Bergerons of the world, the Darnell Wrights of the world. I think they're going to go earlier than probably I would like them to go. Whereas if you can get one of those top three, so like a Broderick Jones from Georgia, uh, Peter Skronsky from Northwestern, Paris Johnson from Ohio State. Now, I, I'm not sure they will fall to them, but one of those top three falls to them. I think you're running in that card and taking it and just saying, you know, we got yeah. one on the top off the line, but we got a guy we can develop. Um, because the other probably biggest thing on this roster, cornerback, is probably the deepest position in the running for deepest position in the draft class, whether it's corner, tight end, running back. All three of those positions are loaded in this year's mm-hmm. class. So the guys you can get in the second round at that position or should be able to get in the second round at that position should be plug-and-play starters. I, I think mm-hmm. it's a very deep class, and I like a lot of the guys into day two. So that's name, probably how names names for day, those day two guys that you like. Um, I really like Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. Miami. Uh, yeah. I really like Clark Phillips from Utah. He's just undersized. He's not going to go highly because of that, but I think he's a damn good football player. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Is there what about the two? Carolina guys? The South Carolina. There's uh, Cam Cam Smith. Is Cam right? Smith. I like in that range. Um, I, I think he's getting a little. I don't like. I don't think he's going to be a first rounder. I think he's going to go to the combine and not test great. But oh, I the second, the second round guy, right? The second round guy, definitely in there. Him and Darius Rush, are the two. Darius Rush probably more of like the boomer bust guy. I, yeah. I, I hearken them back to kind of like Washington's cornerback deal from last year, where McDuffie very solid, very high floor, going to be a good NFL player. Kyler Gordon, you don't know. I mean, he's got yeah. all the tools, but you don't know. I think that's kind of how this South Carolina duo looks. Darius Rush tools are all there, but you don't know. Just got burned a lot in college. So those two, um, very handsy too. Yeah, yeah, seems, I agree. Seems relevant. <laughs> I, I like uh, Emmanuel Forbes in that range too. The Mississippi State cornerback, one of the best. Ball, oh, some of the best balls. Fred Smoot is a former Georgia Bulldog, or not mm-hmm. Mississippi State Bulldog, and is a Forbes guy like to his core. 
And if if they don't draft Forbes, it's going to be a, a riot by him at the studio. So hopefully, yeah, everybody I, got I, and that one makes a ton of sense because he is like off. He's a good football player, man. He's just yeah, he's just ball skills for days. I mean, he finds the football. He's got insane explosion. I think in high school he had like a forty-four inch vertical, and like Dang. on tape you're just like this guy can accelerate. So yeah, yeah, if he makes it there to you in the second round, that's probably like a dream scenario. <laughs> uh, first thing, Logan, I didn't know you had an inner Jay Gruden, but it just came out. Hey, man, that's just a good football player. Just a good football. But like, that's that's Stat- the thing that gets you. It's like when you watch film and you're like, everyone's like, oh, this guy's not really. He's a borderline first, second. I'm like, I don't give a darn, really. Like, if he's available at, at 48, I'm jumping on that because he's yeah. good at football and he's gonna and he's gonna be a good football player. And so I think that's the thing we were, you were alluded to earlier. It's like there's this. This, this, it's more binary than people think. So I want to ask you about the tackles. Just a quick follow-up there. Well, right? hold on. Can I follow up on corner yeah, real yeah, quick? Ahead. Follow um, up on and then, corner. And then we'll get to back to tackle. Because Washington's needs are kind of interesting. Uh, in that, like They definitely need one, but where is is up for debate? There's some thought that there, the Washington could benefit from kicking Kendall Fuller back inside. Uh, were you successful with them a couple years ago? Uh, he's been playing outside ever since he got traded to Kansas City pretty much. Um, maybe even like, I don't know, kind of rotating him in with, they've got some positional versatile safeties that, you know, whatever interchange they, they have there. So as you break down this class, most guys that are coming out obviously played outside in college because they were the best mm-hmm. player on their team. So how do you think about projecting someone potentially inside if Washington were to be looking for a guy with Fuller on one side, St. Just on the other, and now all of a sudden the need is at nickel? I really like this uh, slot class also. And a lot of them are like technically safeties or maybe like grouped with the safeties, but like Brian branch from Alabama is the second rated defensive back on the board. But he's, have to, they'd have to pick him at 16 probably. Right? Yeah. Like he would be the guy you pick yeah. at 16. He's not yeah. falling to the second round, but like yeah. that's a guy where he falls into the bucket. We were just talking about just like, that's, he's going to be good. Like yeah, I, right, I have right. no doubt about Brian branch being a good football player at the NFL. He was, elite in Nick Saban scheme started for three years. It's like, that's, that's a plug and play guy. Yeah. Uh, I don't care what he tests. He just is. And Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M is in that similar bucket in a little bit longer, more explosive slot corner. Um, so those are two guys who are probably like safeties turn slots. I'm trying to think of corners, turn slots, Clark Phillips, who I just mentioned from Utah is probably going to move inside. It's not big enough uh, for a lot of teams to play outside. Travis Hodges Tomlinson from TCU who will probably blow up the combine. He's a freak athlete, and, but he's only, you know, 5'9", five, 5'8". Five, He'll probably play inside. So there, there's a handful of guys I really like in this slot corner class that outside of branch you could maybe get with that 48 pick. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, like, with Nichols, because everyone, like, says, oh, it's got to be a small guy. But I feel like now with the way the game's going, they got to be really good tacklers. they got to fit yes. the run. So it's like it's I, – I personally think it's way harder to find a really good nickel, like, slot guy as opposed to getting these guys, like you said, Greg, who've played outside their whole career in college. Yeah, the Kyle Hamilton sort of mold is I think yeah. what we're going to see the nickel turn into just because that's so valuable against the run. You don't have to you don't have to match heavier personnel. You don't have to change. You don't have to go into three linebackers. You could just stay two linebackers, keep a guy like Kyle Hamilton who's, you know, 220. He's never going to be mistaken for a linebacker, but he can do some of the things that a linebacker can do, but they cover. So I think that's – him, Isaiah Simmons, like that's the way, that's the mold you're looking for, which which is like Antonio Johnson, um, which is like JL Skinner in this draft class, the Boise yeah. State safety, even if I'm going like, to put him like, so, a so few from tiers a, behind that. Positional value. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's so high cut. It like doesn't, you know, yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that more later. Anyway, go ahead. From a positional value standpoint then, would you take Branch at 16? Or is that is that a not yes. good use of the pick for Washington? No, like no, specific we to Washington. 
we're just saying the slot's super valuable. Like the yeah. slot is, it's becoming a position that if you have a guy there that they are, you know, the Rams move Jalen Ramsey into the slot because like what, what yeah. a corner who you would never think, I, I guess, I mean, he did that at Florida State some, but like that you would never say, uh, you know, previously a decade ago, you would never put a high end shutdown type of outside corner inside. You would never do that. It's just unthinkable. But now it's so important, so invaluable in terms of to keep these light boxes, to keep numbers game in your advantage, to have a guy who can rely on in the slot that I think it's matching the value of outside corner to have a good player. So I got a really quick question about this kind of nickel hybrid position. You know, you mentioned Kyle Hamilton, a guy that I liked when I watched him was a kid from Sacramento State who's kind of like Marty Mapu. Have you watched him at all? Yeah. I mean, I only watched him at the Senior Bowl. I have not watched Sac State tape yet. Okay, okay. Well, then <laughs> he's a guy that I would like, I think, you know, kind of fits in that position you're talking about. Probably like mm-hmm. linebacker slash that I think, again, for Washington fans, like Cam Curl has been that role, you know, but he has some more position flexibility, like as the post player. So if you get a guy in the box that can do some stuff, long, rangy, those are that's another way they could handle this nickel position as opposed to a pure cover nickel, I guess is what we're saying. Yeah, and I, everyone wants, you know, the, the sort of smaller linebackers everyone's sort of gravitated towards in recent years. But I, I think those are almost out. Like, you know, linebackers have to fit the run nowadays, like at a high level. But that position is where those smaller linebackers are kind of trending towards. Mm, those guys right. who are these off-ball guys in college – can move to that slot role. Yeah. And just to close the loop on corner, the Logan, and then you pick up your question with tackle. When you yeah. respond to this, just to acknowledge, like they also very well are looking out or could be looking outside to replace Kendall. Um, what, you know, even if that replacement is ultimately a year away. So um, obviously I would, I would suggest to any Washington fan reading Mike or anybody else's stuff, like look at all the corners because that is definitely going to be on the table for them. Uh, say, and plus, especially with St. Juice recent injury history, these two years, like, that guy's probably going to play some this year. So that's that. there's the corner discussion. Well, and also just to kind of like bring that full circle, like I'm sure I think you guys probably have your Christian Gonzalez is number one. Your um, Witherspoon is probably Witherspoon one, Gonzalez two. Is that right yeah, for you guys? Big board? Yeah. And then the next guy is Joey Porter Jr., who again would be the outside corner at 16. Is that my, and I'm, I'm not putting words in your mouth there, Mike, right? He is very much a press corner right so I, that that one's uh, i'm not sure the fit is necessarily right. quite as yeah comparatively whereas i'm trying to think of who the next cornerback deontay banks the maryland corner because oh. i think maybe more in the mold of what the washington commanders want to do defensively. and that guy's not so, going to be he'll, he'll be a fringe first round pick if i'm if i don't i bet him. he goes in the first round i bet he's going to test really well here and go in the first round i would if i had a gun to my head right now When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So the tackle thing I think is really interesting. I just wanted to pin this down real quick is, you know, obviously Skaronsky I think is is one of the most technically proficient offensive linemen I've ever seen, but probably in my opinion, projects to guard. And that's my opinion. I, I know some people like him as tackle. Uh, Paris Johnson, a little raw, but I think it's kind of the most stereotypical guy. I think he's gone by 16. And then Roderick Jones feels like really high upside, um, but athletically, but also very technically raw. Yeah. Like that, those guys have their warts. It's interesting to me because I feel like the more consistent kind of pro prospects are that second tier of tackle. That kind of like, who we got there, like Daryl Wright, um, <clears throat> Dewan Jones, the kid from Syracuse, like that group. Do you think that group gets bumped in the first round, basically, or do you think there's possibility they pick at 48? I, I think I think Wright's gone by 48. I think Dewan Jones has gone by 48. Yeah. I think Bergeron could be there on the board, um, but I think those guys are gone. I think Anton Harrison, the Oklahoma tackle, has gone by 48 too. So that's why it's like – that's why I was saying – probably going to want to pick those guys early because then yeah. it's like Jalen Duncan. Are you going to pick him at 48? Who's doesn't feel right. Right. Does not. It's, it's like he he's multiple years away from starting the NFL, in my opinion. So that's kind of the worry is that what I just said about those guys who are like really not, you know, ideal prospects with Jones is just like a ridiculous specimen, but like has to be in a certain role because he's just so slow footed at that size. Yeah. You're just not going to be able to recover too many blocks. Bergeron and Wright, have their warts as well where it's like they're not great prospects but the tackle need that is throughout the nfl like washington's not alone in this right is so prevalent and people know that the good tackles go highly more often than not that they're just going to get pushed up board so that's the worry uh that i would say for commanders fans if you're waiting to draft it like like what you did when you drafted sam Cosby. right absolutely and then so i guess then that means do you go if you need offensive line help the next 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 logical step would be center or guard and this is pretty pretty good group with that is there anybody there you like at 48 at 48 I, I really like in terms of guards in this class who might be on the board there steve avila from yeah. tcu right very well built guard I, I mean at the senior bowl you were there that guy's yeah. head filled his helmet uh, he had one of the biggest <laughs> faces i've ever seen and that's like what you want from a guard where it's just yeah, like you a big old guard. He couldn't you just be. want a giant he face waited. Yeah, well, it's like when you're that, like, just built like that. Just a big guy. He was, in, just, he was never going to be 250. You know, he was always going to be 330. And those are the guys that just move you at the NFL level. So, big fan of Steve Avila. I think Osiris Torrance won't be on the board there. The Florida guard, who's probably the top guard on a lot of boards. But then the center class I really like. There's Wisconsin center Joe Tipman. There's the Minnesota I really center, like him, by the way. He's awesome. John Michael Schmitz. Yeah. And, and then there's the Ohio State center Luke Whipler, who I all have right in that range to where – I don't think 48 is too rich for any of those guys. Mm. I really like the center class that kind of like second tier in that second, third round. Uh, I would expect all those guys to come off board. Gotta love a big 10 center. Just you, I mean, you like Wisconsin, you know, sure. I'm yeah. just like, well, good, done. I don't know anything about the kid. If you played at Wisconsin on, on the O-line, done. And they're all like big, like they're uh, uh, Schmitz. Whipler and, aside. But the, yeah, Whipler aside, they're all big guys, you know, which kids. is a little unusual. For the position and then like you mentioned smitch at the senior bowl was an absolute maniac you know so it's like yeah i mean i, I don't like picking centers that high usually just kind of as a rule of thumb i'd prefer it in like the third round i feel like the value is mm -hmm. better but there are some really darn good football players what about cody mock i know they um he had an out like you know there were some coaches i talked to that really loved that he was like 
I'll play guard. I'll play center. I'll play tackle in the game. You know, they love that mm -hmm. kind of just love ball mentality. I think he's gone by 48. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think he very well could be, but he's one of those guys where you're, you're redshirt. You know, he belongs mm -hmm. in that category of guys where it's just like you're going to switch him from tackle to guard or center, which is already, you know, a transition that not everyone makes smoothly. Uh, yeah. And then you're going to ask him to jump up from the FCS to the NFL. Like, right. right. And, and not say like he's never going to do it. Like, he's the guy has some special athletic tools. Like, he moves, you know, former tight end looks like a tight end. Like, that guy can fly. But I just think you're a little, you're just banking on a, some development there, which, you know, that's a lot of offensive linemen. But uh, if you're expecting him to start right out the gate, it could be ugly. So, Logan, let me ask you this, and then kind of we can flip the question open amongst the three of us. Like, Biennemi comes in as the OC. How does what they have at O-line stack up now that they're going to be running some slightly different stuff? And obviously, we don't know what they're going to do at O-line coaches right. of this taping yet either. We don't know if Matsko is going to stay around. We don't know if Randy Jordan's going to stay around as a running backs coach. So we don't like in part, we don't know exactly what this run scheme is going to look like, what exactly they're going to be looking for in pass protection. But based off what you've seen with the enemy, like how does how does what they have stack up and how does this class stack up for, for by the way, an offensive coordinator who was a part of selecting a very good offensive line group in Kansas city. Well, I think that's a, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I insist. I guess, okay. guess first. I'm going there. Mike, um, start talking. I will say one of the things that jumps out of the tape when you watch Kansas city this last year, and it may have just been the tackles they had, but they were very good at giving their tackles help. They, they do not let their tackles get on islands one-on-one -on -one very often. So, so if you have guys in Cosme, Leno, that you know you feel comfortable enough with, by that I don't, I, I don't think an upgrade there is going to give you massive payoff. You know, like I think like that they, they do a good enough job of giving that time, but, but then that puts more stress on the interior. The Chiefs obviously have one of the best interiors in the NFL, uh, but like that's probably the position where if I'm looking guards, where I'm really at my head at looking at just this Commanders offensive line and what they do. Um, or in where the talent is, I think guards the one where it's like that could be an issue next year. Yeah, I agree. I think like when you look at Kansas City, one of the things, especially like with Mahomes there, and obviously the offense will look different. It'll be more run first, which tends to insulate guys a little bit more, right, from a pass protection standpoint. If you're looking at areas where offensive linemen struggle, we mentioned Dewan Jones. Like if if they're if you're in a run first scheme, like that's fine. Like let him just put his paws on people and and move planets, right? Because that's what he does, right? So you can get away with stuff. And I do think they're going to be more run first, but I will say like in terms of drop back passing game, their offensive line is very, very good. I know Orlando Brown gets a lot of heat, but he is, he wins pass protection reps. Mm -hmm. He yeah. doesn't lose pass protection reps. And so you look at Creed Humphrey. Excellent. You look at Smith from Tennessee, like dude's a baller at guard, one of the most physical guards in the NFL. Like they need to upgrade that group pretty emphatically. And I think whatever they do, they need to add two, probably two bodies at that group, you know? So whether that's free agency, which again, the tackle free agent group is not great right now. You know, like I think Caleb McGarry resigns to Atlanta, which would be an interesting fit here, but again, not a great pass protector. So do you bump Cosme into guard, draft a tackle? Do you uh, leave Cosme a tackle? So I think that to me is, again, like we've talked about this at nauseum on this podcast, finding a center, finding a guard are going to be super critical. Finding a tackle, bumping Cosme into guard, whatever that situation is, because so much of what they do and so much of their offensive success outside of Patrick Mahomes is with the pockets they're able to provide them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's by happenstance that two of the best offensive lines in football were in the Super Bowl last year, right? And so I think that that is something that absolutely needs to get addressed. And 
We just talked about how the draft might not fall for Washington because I think those first three guys are going to be gone by 16. And then if those next three guys are gone by 48, like you're kind of left holding the bag a little bit. And that's how the draft goes sometimes. So, again, it'll be really interesting to see how they address those that specific need in terms of cultivating a productive offense because I don't think they need skill guys. I don't think they need tight ends. I think they need a – we can talk about running backs with Mike because he's got a good uh, beat on that, very deep running back class. But I think that's got to be the, the thing, you know. Okay. That's, yeah. That makes sense to me. I mean, it just <laughs> to me, the thing that's like so, I don't know, frustrating, but like, okay, what the, the frustration doesn't really matter. It's just those of us on the outside wanting answers is like, can you figure out what the hell you're going to do with Cosme? Can you make a decision on yeah. him? And by the way, I will say the frustration that matters is Sam Cosme's frustration because he seemed right. pretty ticked off by the end of last year that he didn't have a set position, that he was bouncing in and out. And there, there's one thing to have position flex and seeing it as a positive. It's also another thing to be like, that dude's our starting right tackle uh, and he's really good at it and we would like him to be our starting right tackle or our starting right guard. And at this point, they kind of need to pick one with him. Like, you know, like position flex is good to have in your backups, but... You want your starters to be your starters. And the idea that they're position flexing one of their starters, who was a second round pick three years into this, is uh is not great. It's not a good use of personnel. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that I, I would project him taking looking at tackle more acutely than guard is because I think they want him to play guard. I think that's kind of where they see his future. So obviously that leaves a hole at right tackle. You need to find a right tackle. Like we just mentioned probably six or seven guys that are gonna be good pros at that spot. But are they going to be there when you pick? And um, so I think in a perfect world, you, you move them to guard. But again, like Mike alluded to, like there's some deep guard depth in this class. So you might need to make another switch here for him, which isn't ideal for Sam. Let's wrap up like another five, six minutes here. Uh, tight end class. I'd be remiss if we did not talk about this a little bit because then, you know, it's, it's one. It's apparently one of the <laughs> deepest tight end classes we've seen in like a decade. Uh, and two, like, come on, Logan Paulson's one of the co-hosts of the podcast. Of course, yeah, we're going to talk tight ends. Um, Logan, I know you're super high on what they have in-house here, yeah. but, you know, is there someone that stands out where you go, hey, if that guy's on the board in one of these first, you know, I, I would say first three rounds, but, like, obviously you're not really looking at one to 16, um, that, that'd be worth it because the upside is there. Well, I think I think the other reason I kind of just say, like, if you were triaging needs and talking with people, and, again, like, I want to get Mike's, Mike's thought on this, like, they have kind of said publicly offensive line corner edge rusher and running back and it's, uh, one of those positions is is clearly absent right the tight end position is clearly absent i think you know one of the things i heard um jeremiah brown or uh, brown talk about is that his name that's not his name daniel, daniel jeremiah Dan, daniel jeremiah there we go i'm thinking about anyway whatever i'm thinking about is um <laughs> <laughs> is uh is that like you know tight end is a traits driven position and so right now you have three dudes with tremendous traits. You got Amani Rogers, who's like a four, five, six, and six, seven type guy who could play receiver. You got Cole Turner, who again catches the ball better than I've seen a lot of tight ends catch in the last five or six years. And you've got Curtis Hodgins, who again is a converter wide receiver, former basketball player type body type. So if you're looking for traits, like the guys they have in house have tremendous traits. So I would say that you just want to kind of lean towards some of these other positions edge rusher, which I want to get Mike's take on, and then running back, which is very deep, and you can get a good player there. So why would I waste resources, especially high in the draft, on a position that I, f I feel like the staff feels very confident in when there's other positions they, they, they have said outwardly they need to address? 
Yeah, first off, I had to look up what triage meant. Uh, first time I heard that one. Great, great word. Going to be using that one myself now. Um, excellent, excellent. Too, but like you said, they've already kind of done what you should do at tight end, which is take flyers on day three on athletic dudes, hoping that they turn into something. Like that's those are that it's a position that you look at the track record of first rounders, and every single damn near every single one wants that pick back. It just is not a position you really want to be drafting too highly. There's so few difference makers in the league, so few offenses feature at that. I I don't think you want any of your first three picks in this draft to be a tight end. Fourth round, fifth round, sure, whatever. It's that deep that maybe they get pushed down. There's someone good still on the board. But kind of like when George Kittle fell the fifth, that was a really deep tight end class. That's kind of how it happens. Um, but not before that. And is there anybody in that fourth and fifth round range that you say they've got traits that we like or has high upside or whatever? Uh, I think Will Mallory from Miami is interesting because he at least has speed, at least has like the movement skills of what a wide receiver. Um, right. But he's very much, I mean, he's, he's damn near carbon copy Cole Turner last year, right? Like they're, right. they're skinny dudes. They're not blockers. They are receivers first. Um, him, Josh Wild, the uh, Cincinnati tight end. I think I put in that range, but I I think all like the rest of the guys who are kind of in that mold of either like Sam Laporta from Iowa, Luke Musgrave from Oregon, like they're going to draft a lot higher. A lot of these tight ends are still going to go in the first three rounds, probably like eight or nine. Luke Musgrave just sounds like a tight end. That's a great tight end name. There's some great tight end names. Dalton Kincaid sounds like a tight end. Yeah, those are tight ends. Tucker Craft, it's a tight end. All right, for, for Edge, for Washington, um, they've obviously got the high-end guys. They've got Young. They've got Sweat, assuming that those two you know don't get traded this offseason. They've got contract situations they got to figure out in the long term. But they also have good depth of like just solid football players. James Williams is really good. Uh, Casey Tuhill is really good. Don't have a ton of pass rush juice. So for Washington, is there a later round pass rush juice type of guy that you like in this Probably class? with some inside-outside ability. Just inside outside ability. I like kind of like deep down the board. You're thinking like fourth, fifth. Yeah. Yeah. In that mold, I really like Viliama Fahoko. San Jose Dude, State. He is a baller. I you love that. Hell guy. Yeah. I love that. Anyone guy. who's flipped on his tape is like, whoa, um, that I talked to. <laughs> They're like, he's strong as an ox. Now, I don't think he's going to test exceptionally. And I think yeah. he might have like great. Knock him down. Eyes. Let Washington take him. No. Got a weird build for sure. But. And his tape's awesome at San Jose State. He knows how to basically defeat blocks and, yeah. and inside-outside versatility. I think he's going to come in like 260, 265. But I think he has that and showed it on tape. So that's the one guy I'd highlight is like, he's, hey. He's they, they, need to, they need to replace F.A. Obata is basically yeah. the guy in their rotation that they need. And if they could upgrade and get a little more juice for a third-down pass rusher type, like yeah. that would be that'd be sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, it's crazy because, like, you th- I'm really glad you brought that name up because I, I really liked his tape. But the guys that you like, that the fans are like, oh, well, what about Will McDonald the fourth? Or what about the kid from Northwestern? It's like, those kids are like, that guy's probably gone in like maybe the first round. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're yeah. gone. They're, they're out of there. So you don't want to be race- wasting draft capital on that. But yeah, like, just to address texts and Twitters and all that kind of stuff. So, all right, Logan, any oh, other oh, position you wanted to look at? Back. Running back is because, yes. again, this is one of the deepest running back classes of all time. They are looking for a um, like a kind of a pass, you know, third down pass catching type guy. I know there's some really high end speed guys here. Is there anybody you feel like fits that role here in Washington? 
I think one of the better pass catchers in his class is Eric Gray from Oklahoma. I wouldn't mm. put him as like a high-end speed guy. Um, he's not a high-end athlete by any means, but he's just like a reliable third down type of mm. running back. And that you'll probably get fourth, fifth. If you're looking for more of that speed element, um, Tajay Spears from Tulane is probably that guy in this class. <laughs> or one of those guys in this class. He's, he's going to be a freak. Now the thing is like, where does he end up going? Maybe he gets pushed up higher after the combine, but the 200 pounders are just, there's not a track record of those guys coming in and being like every down backs. And so I think a lot of times, you know, outside of maybe like James Cook last year, you don't see guys getting drafted that highly in that mold of like 200 and under unless they run four two something. So uh, he's a guy I really like, but there's just so many names in, in this yeah. class, whether it's, you know, I'm just looking through the list right now. Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina is in that mold of just like, he can scoot and can catch the ball. Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State is an awesome pass catcher, but he's 5'6". Um, so there, there's a ton of names. I mean, it's basically throw a dart at a dartboard and you'll probably hit one in the fourth round. That's kind of what I was going to say. It's like, because then there's like the kid from Michigan too, who's a little undersized, good running the football. Uh, the kid from AM who's like the track star, right? It'll probably yeah. go higher because he's, he's going to run fast. He'll go high, yeah. But what about the kid, uh, Syracuse? There's another guy who got a little bit wheel. You know I'll what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, he's it. He's, he's not he much of a pass his entire offense it's the last couple of years. Yeah, I know as an alumnus who didn't get to watch a lot of offense. <laughs> he, he's not much of a pass catcher. I, I wouldn't put. Uh, okay. Let's see. I, I think take Bigsby is an interesting name. Now, obviously, I, I don't know where he's going to come off the board, but Auburn. I think he's a really good pass catcher mm-hmm. out of the backfield that may just get lost in the shuffle of so many guys in this class that not everyone's going to want to willing to take a first or second round pick on guys who maybe a decade ago would have been in that conversation. So they're going to get pushed down boards. And that just means guys are going to fall to where it makes sense for the commanders to pick one. All right. So last question I'll ask you, Mike, if you mm-hmm. are Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera and you're sitting in the draft room on draft night at 16, who's the guy you want on the board? Like reasonably, obviously bright, you want Bryce young to fall, but that's uh-huh. not going to happen. So like within reason, who's the, the number one guy as we sit here on February 27th, before we all go to Indy that you want on the board? I want Peter Skaronsky on the board uh, the Northwestern tackle slash guard. I think you're just chalking up an easy win. You're getting a good offensive lineman. Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? Whatever. You just got a good offensive lineman and for a team that needs shit, good offensive lineman. So I think that's the yeah. All right. No, I think that's right on. And the problem is he's not going to be there probably because everyone else yeah, well, thinks that. that wasn't the he, I guess he might. I guess he might be. I guess he might Chance. be. There's a world. There's a world. Yeah. With the quarterbacks going, if you see four quarterbacks go – Ahead, I guess it's a good point. Position players like it could help. Definitely. All right, Uh, you guys are going to have a ton of stuff from Indy on Pro Football Focus. Uh, Anything in particular that people should be on the lookout for? Um, Just a new draft guide update the week after the combine. Make sure to check that out. And I'm just going to be tweeting dumb stuff the whole week. We'll see. (laughs) So follow him for dumb stuff at PFF underscore Mike. Uh, Mike, this was great. We'll see you in Indy. Uh, Say what's up, and then uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the pod at some point a little closer to the draft. Good stuff, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, Thanks fellas. Excited, uh, excited to see you in India.